The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. On July 28, 2021, the Chicago White Sox lost in extra innings to the Kansas City Royals with a 60-43 record and eight games ahead of Cleveland for first place in the American League Central. The loss wasn't a big blow. However, It became apparent over the months of June and July, the White Sox were needing help. The bullpen bridge to closer Liam Hendricks was shaky at best, with manager Tony La Russa struggling to find dependable pitchers in high leverage situations between innings 6 through 8. Then at second base, thanks to Nick Madrigal's season-ending injury, there was a lack of production offensively, and both Danny Mendick and Lurie Garcia had their defensive limitations. Rick Hunt was at a fork in the road. If keeping the team as is, the Chicago White Sox could win the American League Central, knowing that Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, and Yasmati Grandal would be returning to the lineup soon. He could keep his prospects and let the current roster decide how far they could go. And if this year's squad fell short, try again with a healthier roster in 2022 to win another World Series title. Or, Rick Hahn could push his chips in the middle of the poker table and find help to bolster the 2021 White Sox chances of winning an American League pennant. Hahn would shock many by just how far he went. The first wave of trades came on July 29, 2021. Looking for a more dependable 7th inning reliever, Hahn traded pitcher Bailey Horn to the Chicago Cubs for Ryan Tapera in 43 games for the Northsiders. Tapera pitched 43 and a third innings with a 2.91 ERA, striking out 50 and walking just 12. Then Rick Hahn found himself a second baseman within the division, striking up a deal with Cleveland for Cesar Hernandez, already setting a career 
single season high of 18 home runs, Hernandez was bringing his 2020 gold glove and newfound power to the White Sox lineup, which needed both. Those alone were good additions, losing little in prospects. But Tapera and Hernandez could be rentals. Tapera could be a free agent after the 2021 season, and Hernandez had a club option for 2022 at $6 million with no buyout. The White Sox could walk away from Hernandez after the season and go back to Nick Magical at second base. After seeing the flop, Han made perhaps his boldest move of his tenure Chicago White Sox GM. With the clock ticking closer to the trade deadline, Han packaged Magical and Cody Hoyer and made another deal with the Chicago Cubs. This time, it was for their closer, Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell was having one of the better seasons for all relievers in 2021. In 39 games with the Cubs, Kimbrell had 23 saves in 36 and two-thirds innings with 64 strikeouts at 13 walks, and he only allowed one home run. With the addition of Kimbrell, the White Sox lost one of their perceived foundation pieces in Nick Magical, but they were hoping by adding Kimbrell, they could create a super bullpen with two elite closers something that could come in handy during the postseason where starting pitchers are not lasting as long as they used to. Many White Sox fans were thrilled with the addition of Kimbrell. Many White Sox fans were also wary of the cost of losing Nick Magical. If Kimbrell helped the White Sox reach the World Series, perhaps the cost would be warranted. While on paper, Han made good additions to the roster. Only one of the acquisitions lived up to expectations. In 24 games for the White Sox, Kimbrell carried a 5.09 ERA in 23 innings. After allowing just one home run with the Cubs, Kimbrell allowed five home runs in a White Sox uniform. His strikeout to walk ratio dropped considerably to 36 strikeouts to 10 walks. Kimbrell more than doubled his runs allowed with the White Sox at 13 when he just gave up six runs with the Cubs and only two of those were earned. Kimbrell was a two-and-a-half war pitcher, according to baseball reference, with the Cubs. For the White Sox, Kimbrell was replacement level. It didn't get better in the postseason. Kimbrell appeared in three games, only recorded two innings, while allowing three hits, three runs, two of them earned, a home run, a walk, and he didn't strike out anyone. Cesar Hernandez carried his batting average and on-base percentage with him to Chicago. In 96 games for Cleveland... Hernandez hit 231 with a 307 OBP. In 53 games for the White Sox, Hernandez hit 232 and had a 309 on base percentage. But the slugging disparity was glaring. Hernandez slugged 431 with Cleveland, resulting in 18 home runs, 17 doubles, and 2 triples. With the White Sox, Hernandez only hit 3 home runs in 53 games, and 2 of those came against the Chicago Cubs in one game. Hernandez also only hit four doubles, giving him seven extra base hits in 217 plate appearances. That's good enough for a 299 slugging percentage. With Cleveland, Hernandez was a 1.2 war second baseman. With the White Sox, Hernandez was a negative 0.8 war player. In the postseason, Hernandez mostly sat for games one and two to watch Luis Garcia start at second base. But Hernandez did see three games of action, with 11 plate appearances going two for seven, walking four times with three strikeouts against Houston. No extra base hits, though. 
Ryan Tapera made an awful first impression by allowing a home run in his first appearance with the White Sox against Cleveland. It would be the only home run Tapera allowed during the regular season for the White Sox in 22 games spanning 18 innings. Tapera carried a 2.50 ERA with 24 strikeouts to 7 walks. Tapera was a 1.1 war pitcher with the Chicago Cubs in 43 games. Tapera was a 0.6 war pitcher with the White Sox in 22. Then in the postseason, Tapera was perhaps the White Sox most dependable pitcher. In three games, Tapera pitched four and two-thirds innings, allowing just two hits, one earned run, didn't walk anyone, he struck out three. He helped the White Sox win game three with two scoreless innings when the team needed to keep Houston at bay. He started his White Sox tenure walking off the field to booze. He finished 2021 to a standing ovation. The results of Rick Hahn's trade deadline acquisitions are very much a mixed bag, but there are big decisions to make shortly after the conclusion of the World Series, decisions that could greatly impact the team's payroll and offseason budget. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Joining me to continue the conversation reviewing the midseason acquisitions for the Chicago White Sox is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and co-host of the podcast, it's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. Let's discuss evaluating midseason trades. And this is a philosophical baseball debate. Is it possible to have a good thought process drawing up trades that still lead to terrible results? Certainly. Uh, I think uh, 
you know, there, there's a whole debate over just how to write about it, how to talk about it, how to react about it, saying like, well, what did you think at the time? So that's, you know, in our business when we're podcasting and writing about it, you know, what you try to do when first guessing, thinking along as it's happening is to see the whole range of outcomes and then pick the most likely one. And sometimes you get burned. You know, like my goal is, you know, when writing about whether it's a trade that works out, a signing that doesn't, you know, uh, just try to at least at some point in my evaluation, mention uh, the outcome that actually happened. <laughs> like I would say like with like the James McCann signing, like I didn't like that signing, but at some point when I was writing about him, I said like, well, there are a couple of good things if things break right uh, that, that could make the signing pay off. And, and so fortunately I wrote that. And so I think uh, uh, no matter what, like there's always, whether it's a bad process that works out or a good process that doesn't, uh, there's always a range of outcomes and uh, it's just our job to try to identify it somewhere, even if we don't place the proper weight on it. Do you think Rick Hahn's thought process, this last trade deadline into July, getting Ryan Tapera, Cesar Hernandez and Craig Kimbrell, I recall our conversations at the time, we were really impressed on what the White Sox were able to bring. We didn't think the White Sox gave up a lot to get Ryan Tapera and Cesar Hernandez. We both were shocked on that they were willing to move Nick Madrigal uh, in any trade, but that trade being Craig Kimbrell. Do you think, you know, looking back at it now after the season, that the thought process was solid from the White Sox perspective in making these three moves? Well, I have to say yes on Hernandez because I was the one who wrote <laughs> about saying like, drum. it would be a good idea. Uh, so that didn't work out well. So I have to say it was a brilliant thought process and, and bulletproof and it just didn't happen to work out. And I, it's entirely on Hernandez's shoulders and uh, Rick Hahn, uh should uh, sleep well at night based on that. So, uh, you know, in order to be uh, internally consistent, that's my attitude about Hernandez. But Tapera, yeah, that was fine. Um, I think Kimbrel is the is the tough one because uh, I, I think some of it, you know, when it comes to just identifying the wisdom behind the move and the calculations uh, underneath the risk, uh, I, I think the spending done this year and the attitude towards finishing the roster this winter will inform just why uh, Rick Hahn was so willing to pay a very high price for Kimbrel. Like if the White Sox spend a lot this winter or spend you know enough to solve the uh, roster gaps in a very convincing way, then you know, perhaps just like, well, Kimbrel was there to stoke enthusiasm and to maximize the chances for this year as the start of maximizing chances every year. Then, you know, I think it fits. Now, if it's like, well, we never know when we're going to get this close again. Uh, let's just hope we can get a World Series. Like, if it's more of like a shot in the dark, like he's the best guy for our biggest flaw. Uh, and, and we need this year more than any other year in order to, you know, we need like a... a American League pennant in order to capitalize in future seasons in order to get the budget I want, that's a little bit riskier because as we talked about with Liam Hendricks in the offseason, you can spend all you want on ninth inning guys, but when you get to the postseason, games might not get to them. In this case, like, you know, even though Kimbrell was really rough during the regular season, like he didn't even factor in the postseason because games with any meaning did not get to him. And so that's, I think, uh, why I'm generally apprehensive of spending a lot of resources on closers and high leverage guys. And 
if it's the, you know, if the White Sox traded Magical and opened up second base for you know, potentially years because they want to put all their eggs in the 2021 basket, then that's not so great. But if it's just like, well, we can, we have now the uh, leverage and leeway to shoot our shot for the next three seasons, it's not so bad. Let's start with Craig Kimbrell. His club option is $16 million for the 2022 season. The buyout is now $2 million because according to SpotTrack, uh, if Kimbrell pitched 53-plus games in 2021, it would increase the buyout by another million dollars. It was originally a $1 million buyout, but now because he pitched more than 53 games in 2021, it's a $2 million buyout. This might be the Biggest question outside of Carlos Rodon and the qualifying offer the White Sox and Rick Hahn has for this offseason. What do you think the play is here for the White Sox with Craig Kimbrell? Exercise the club option and keep him. Exercise the club option and trade him or buy him out. Well, uh, you mentioned Rodon, and I, I think to me, like these two decisions kind of go hand in hand in uh, you know, whether to exercise the qualifying offer for Odon, whether to exercise Kimbrell's option. It's, uh, it's both cases where, you know, how much money do they have in their entire budget? You know, how much risk can they uh, absorb in having two high-paid ninth-inning types on a roster when they still need to solve two positions uh, on the diamond and shore up depth elsewhere? So my thinking, you know, you can look at it a few ways because like the... When the White Sox traded Nick Magical for him, I think you know exercising his option was going to be an easy decision. That's what they had in mind, and trading him was going to be eminently possible for full value for one year. Like you know, team be happy to get a closer, they can get something of interest, whether it's like a an intriguing high minors arm, like a you know maybe like the equivalent of a Connor Pilkington, like getting that guy back in their system who might be able to give innings for the White Sox next year um, or, or somebody uh, you know, who can maybe add to the outfield depth um, with maybe uh, options remaining the way like Mike Rodolfo and, and Blake Rutherford currently don't. Um, but you know, with the way the you know, Kimbrel season unfolded, you can see it a few different ways. Like, and, and there are ways to justify it. Like the, it would be very unpopular to bring Kimbrel back and to have him, at full freight in the White Sox bullpen, like any failure he uh, perhaps like, you know, any save he blows or meltdown inning he has like in April, fans are going to be rioting and just going to seem like they're lighting money on fire. And, you know, do you let that inform your decision-making if you're Rick Hahn, like just the, the chances of fan blowback on the other hand, like, you know, because the White Sox invested so much in him with Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer, um, and, you know, it feels like it's going to be a sunk cost you know, or, or it feels like it's, uh, you know, they're going to be, um, you know, losing all value on the, those two traders they played just by letting them go. Um, do they not adhere to like just the idea of sunk cost and try to bring them back and, and try to get value out of him, even if uh, there's no value there? I'm thinking that, you know, when it, now it's a $14 million decision because either way, White Sox are paying $2 million. So it's a $14 million decision. I'm thinking that the White Sox, you know, are going to be, you know, given how many teams need bullpen help and given that Kimbrell, you know, perhaps, um, you know, his problem is adjusting to a new organization and, and that organization figuring out how to uh, just 
solve him because you know he had slow starts with uh you know when he's gone to different organizations like he had a terrible start with the cubs he had a really uh, rocky start with the red Sox. so perhaps like the white Sox just got through that break-in period and so they're gonna bring him back um but on the other hand you know he will be 34 uh years old that'll be his age 34 season next year you know this could be the start of decline so you know i could see every every outcome has merit um you know whether they bring him back whether they let him go or whether you know the third option which i think seems like the most likely when trying to balance them out is bring him back see what the market looks like and then trade him while kicking in some money for somebody who might be more of use to them in depth terms okay so on that point, if the White Sox do try, and we see this in the NBA, sign and trade type of deal. The White Sox are picking up that option, but they're trading him. Which teams do you think could be interested in Craig Kimbrell? Well, like in the division, there's the Twins and Tigers. And the Tigers, I think, you know, are a team that's going to be adding this year. Um, and, and they need some help in the bullpen. And Kimbrell could be that kind of like at a reduced cost. If they have room in their budget and they should be able to spend some money and they can get, you know, potentially like, you know, the guy with the Cubs for, for, you know, a pittance, relatively speaking, then perhaps, you know, that's uh, the team that can make the, the best offer for him. But I don't think, you know, it's hard to see the White Sox trading him in the division just based on the way that tends to go. And <laughs> if Kimbrell turned into a weapon to be used against him, that'd be a whole other, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess a can of worms that Han would be opening. But outside the division, I think like the four would be the Padres since they've had him before and he liked pitching there and he pitched well. Philadelphia is always trying to solve its issues. Washington always has issues and always is willing to mix it up and uh, find uh, solutions from ninth inning that, you know, maybe you wouldn't think. And Oakland is also there. And Oakland, you know, their history of, you know, needing... Uh, uh, players on the cheap are looking for rebound opportunities uh, and and trying to leverage, um, you know, unusual, yeah, or I guess buy into, um, you know, perhaps pitches or data they're seeing versus what the performance says. Like that could be a buy low opportunity that would maybe suit them well uh, as well. But those are the kind of teams that jumped out to mind to me. Do you have any others that you thought of that uh, he might fit? I, I thought Philadelphia right away because – According to NBC Sports Philadelphia, Dave Dombrowski had a lot of interest in acquiring Craig Kimbrell at the trade deadline. Hmm. And Dombrowski and Han are no strangers making a deal. The last deal they made was the Chris Sale trade. So if I had to, there, there are two teams that come to mind right away. One is the Phillies. The other is the Los Angeles Angels and maybe reuniting Craig Kimbrell with Joe Madden. Because uh, I see the Angels, they need to be active. The Angels need to make the playoffs in 2022. Or I, I don't know what they're doing. There's just too much talent, especially offensively for the Angels, to not be a playoff team next year, especially if they are healthy. And they could use some help in the bullpen, so that's one destination that makes sense. Uh, they may not even be afraid of the dollar amount because I just feel like they're going to spend whatever it takes to get into the playoffs. Uh, but those are the two teams. I thought you were going to say, I think you're going to say the Dodgers because they can just, they like a good deal. Well, yeah. The Dodgers. <laughs> they just add arms. Uh, if uh, you know, it, it takes paying, uh, 
you know, money that other teams don't want to pay to get a good arm, you know, perhaps they can extract something from the White Sox as well. You never know. Like I just, they always seem like they're interested in anything that might help a team, you know, regardless of the price. Yeah. How much longer is Kenley, uh, Kenley Jensen as far as his contract? That I don't know. I guess they could attempt the Super Bowl pen. It didn't work for the White Sox with Kimbrell and Hendricks. Knowing the Dodgers luck, maybe it'll help them. Uh, maybe it'll work for, uh, work out for them, of course, that Kimbrell and Jansen uh, work well together, closing out games with the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I, I think we both can... Oh, yeah, Jansen's under contract through 2025. Oh, wow, okay, so he's going to be around for a while. Nope, never mind. No, he's a free agent uh, after the year, so nope, that's it. I was looking at the wrong deal, so... Oh, got it. So Jansen's a free agent after this season. Yes. So they could swap. They could say, we like Craig Kimbrell more than Jansen. Let's trade for Kimbrell, and he's our new closer. Yeah, or if they can, like, you know, get a good deal, like, just, you know, perhaps, like, uh, they, they, I'm thinking of that trade they made with the Reds where they just, you know, extracted great prospects because they, uh, the Reds didn't want to pay full freight for, I'm trying to think what deal was, oh, Matt, was that Matt? I'm trying to think what deal that was. All the players involved, um... Yeah, there was a Matt Kemp trade. Yeah, that was the yeah that was the Puig Alex Wood Matt Kemp trade. They're happy to pay, <laughs> so I, I think if they like a good player and and they think that they can get him for cheaper or uh, maybe get a prospect in return in order to pay some of the salary, then that might be the way they do it. All right, so that's Craig Kimbrell. What about Cesar Hernandez? Do you think he returns? And should the White Sox bring him back? I don't think so. I, I think. Um, just because partially the way he played partially second baseman, it's been a kind of a cold market for them over the past few years. And with the White Sox having some internal solutions, whether it's, um, you know, like the guys they have like Romy Gonzalez and Yolbert Sanchez potentially being able to be full season players. Like if they're the ninth hitter, that's not a terrible situation. Uh, and if they're like securely the ninth hitter, the eight hitters ahead of them are clearly better. That's not a bad upside play. Also the just free agents tend to not get paid when they're second base only. So Hernandez could be, uh, you know, let go and brought, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that he wouldn't come back, but he might come back like at 4 million versus six. And then Ryan Tapera, he came on strong for the White Sox and he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, so a bit different situation than Hernandez and Kimbrell. Do you think it's worthwhile for the White Sox to think about bringing Tapera back? I think so, especially with the news that Evan Marshall is going to be undergoing Tommy John surgery. So you can basically write him out of any uh, rebound plans for uh, 2022. And, you know, Cody Hoyer, he was expected to be a fixture from the right side for 2022. Now he's on the Cubs. So they were a bit short on righties and that's why Tapera came in. So that should probably still be the case. And given how well he pitched and, you know, he should be, you know, paid reasonably but not like closer money then i think you know they could maybe find a deal to their liking it'd be it'd be funny if he didn't come back because just the uh kind of the the bomb he lobbed into the alds for a team that he barely knew <laughs> like that's that was the one thing the funny funny thing about it is you know be fu- it'd be one thing if like say like lucas giolito made a comment about houston sign stealing because like giolito is part of the white Sox. He's been there for a while. He's heard the grumblings over, you know, you know, perhaps like Danny Farquhar and just how they were stealing the White Sox signs in 2017. And uh, perhaps like that's a case where just, 
you understand like why he's salty about it. But Tapira not really knowing the White Sox and uh, just kind of just showing up and dropping a cheer thing and then having the Astros run up the score and then Tapira leaves immediately. <laughs> that just seems like a little bit of a, a weird disproportionate, like he had a disproportionate impact on just the way that series was perceived and maybe the way the Astros White Sox relationship carries forward for somebody who was there for basically two to three months. So circle back to Rick Hahn and 2022 is going to have high expectations and we're going to have these conversations again in July of 2022. Two of the three midseason trades did work out for the White Sox. Do you still want to see Rick Hahn be this aggressive in future midseason trade deadlines? I would like to see him be more aggressive in the offseason, uh, especially with you know, like the Adam Eaton trade uh, or the signing rather. Um, just how bad of an idea that was at the very onset, like before the ink tried, it looked like a bad idea. Uh, not just because of the inconsistency, but just because like his version of a reasonable kind of bad would mean that he might not last the season, might not last even the summer uh, with the White Sox. And sure enough, he was you know cut before the trade deadline. So I, I think I would rather see him be aggressive in the winter and not preserve his precious flexibility and try to, you know, make it so upgrades aren't necessary during the, you know, during the trade deadline. But, you know, should it come to a situation where just bad injury luck uh, occurs, like the White Sox are in go for it mode. So it seems like, you know, they should be incentivized to, you know, for those trades to pay off as well as they possibly can. Uh, I would just hope that, you know, the White Sox back in the bullpen is a little bit more secure by this time next year to where they don't have to invest uh, potentially like key future pieces. And I think you could call Nick Magical a key part of the White Sox future, not like a, you know, they, they can, you know, make up for his loss, but they were definitely planning on having Magical in the lineup for years. Um, you know, having, trading guys like him and prospects uh, who have that kind of impact for a guy who may never see a meaningful postseason inning. That's, I think, what I would like to see Rick Hahn avoid. Like the Cesar Hernandez trade, that was fine, just didn't work out. Um, like the, a trade, like say if they make a move for um, the Kimbrel equivalent of a position player mm-hmm. and it, you know, he has a bad postseason, goes like, you know, one for 20 in an ALDS, like didn't work out. You know, that's just a, a one series that didn't go their way, but the thought process was sound. But I just think I would rather not see him trade such meaningful pieces for back-end relievers unless like nobody's there <laughs> like if it's just if you're adding to, you know when Tapera and Hendricks are there Kimbrell was a luxury like Kimbrell was like a, a weapon theoretically that they could have put him over the top and you know brought visions of the Royals uh you know Herrera Davis Holland Troika in everybody's heads but I think that's a luxury, and I think I wouldn't want to see Han trade for a luxury who may never see a meaningful inning. Well, we'll see on how White Sox fans feel, especially with the Sox Machine offseason plan project upcoming, on what they would do with Craig Kimbrell and Cesar Hernandez and Ryan Tapera. These are big decisions as well this upcoming offseason after the World Series concludes for Rick Han and the Chicago White Sox, along with the Carlos Rodon qualifying option that we talked about in the previous podcast. But Jim, thank you so much for hopping on and recapping the midseason acquisitions 2021 season. My pleasure. Uh, you know, the topics, two out of three were bad. 
that will do it for this 2021 player review podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that have been listening to the show all season, and if you haven't already signed up, think about doing so at our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to receive our new Sox Machine swag items. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month, and our annual plans save you 9%. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.